That's fine. We are going to pick up the series talking about distractions. I want to thank Christopher Alam last week because he carried the series. Yeah, no, that was great. Uh, we, we, we were together a few times before the service, but never once talked about content. So that leads me to believe that the Holy Spirit cares enough about each and every one of you to, to carry this series for a certain period of time. I do not, any one point in a series, and I think Pastor John would say this too, I never want to bring in redundancy, but you need to also understand, and I believe you do, and I'm growing in this too, is not everything that comes out of the pastor's mouth is informational, but it should be transformational. So sometimes that takes a few times to hear, right? Nothing great that we know. We're just being vessels through the Holy Spirit to speak what we're told to speak to you. So I would think distractions has to be a big issue in our lives. And that's okay. Knowing where you are is the first step to success, freedom. I mean, today, freedom, all the songs. It's really being, this whole series is walking in the freedom of what was paid on that Christ for you as Christians to walk in this life. You see, the war, the war's already been won. We're not fighting, we're fighting from victory already. But these things called battles are with us every day, right? Amen? <laughs> Let's be transparent, right? We are born into a fight, and I just want to recap a little bit. Um, and, and when you became a Christian, you weren't a target right away. We do know Satan is real. But these battles that happen in our life happen one of two ways. One is we're Christians and we think we're somewhere, but we're really not. And that gap between here and there leaves room for all these battles in life to germinate and things like that. And, and Satan doesn't need to do anything. <laughs> but when you're in that, you need to realize what we sang this morning, the freedom in Christ, and begin to make a decision that I am not defined by the battles in my life, but I am defined who I am in Christ. Amen. And once you begin to do that, guess what? It doesn't get much better with battles. They come even harder. Because the other battles we're fighting are because Satan sees you as a threat to building the kingdom in you and in on this earth. Right? In John 10.10, 10, Satan, John talks about Satan roaming around like a lion to seek to kill and destroy. He does not have a portable guillotine. You should laugh. There is no portable guillotine. They chop heads off. He doesn't walk around with these big swords. Ooh, Satan. But he walks around submitting things that he knows that can distract you. Plain and simple.
Most of the distractions come in physical element, this physical world. But they are being pushed by spiritual forces. Because when you decide to follow Christ, spiritual warfare begins. And most of these distractions, as Christopher Alum did very well, comes from situations in our lives or thoughts that the enemy wants us to get focused on. And in that focus, we get distracted to do what God is calling us to do. Most of these distractions come with half-truth, half-lies. Something seems true, but then usually there's a what-if attached to it at the end. And then it begins us to marinate and think about that. They're laying off people at work. That's probably true if that happens. What if I'm next? Then you begin to marinate on that what if in a distraction and lose track of where God wants to lead you in your life. So important. And there are levels of distraction. Not to be humorous, but it is. We talked about me at a young age of whatever losing focus on broccoli on my plate and running out to follow the ice cream truck when it comes around. That's a distraction. Seems very simple. But then fast forward, sooner in my life at the age of 40, I really began to love football, the NFL. Even worked for a company that was involved in that for some time. And then got into fantasy football. It took away my time with my family and maybe more time of what God was calling me to do. Another thing in my life, going even into a deeper level, I love music. Many of you love music. But I find, certainly in the last few years, if I listen to too much secular music, it sits in this wee brain in here, gets into my soul, and starts affecting and leading my life instead of worship music. Are all the things I just mentioned bad? Broccoli, no. Rocket pops of an ice cream truck, no. Football, no. Fantasy football, no. (laughs) Secular music, no. But Christopher Alam pointed this out so beautifully last time. There's a point where you have to identify your Christian maturity in life. He used an example of a hotel in his travels. You need to know where you are at all times to see if that is going to distract you away from what God's calling you to do. We're not putting a Quaker uniform and we're never going to turn on a TV again. But you have to be sensitive to where everyone is and where you are specifically that you might not be mature to waddle in those waters and you will get distracted. Right? How do you know where your maturity is? Spend time with the Holy Spirit, read the Word, pray, and worship Almighty God. You will begin to know where you are, but as you know, God never leaves us where we are. Right? So we talk about distractions. The problem is when distractions start coming in and we do not stop them, 
They become material to build strongholds in our lives and certainly in our soul. So it begins to affect our mind, our emotions are more invested, and then it'll eventually kick into our will and then probably turn into a sinful thing that leads me off track. And these strongholds, we build them because Satan doesn't have license to possess you. We know this. Amen? We have the cross on our side. But we give him license to do things and give us the building materials to build these strongholds. For me, distractions, when I, I, I have to discern if they're distractions or not, Again, not everything of information comes in as a distraction, but there's a few basic things. Is this coming into me going to cause more complexity in my life? You see, the good news is simple. What Christ did on the cross for you is simple. What God's calling you to walk in is simple. Satan wants to complex everything around that. He put a what if in the Garden of Eden. Did God say all this on the tree? That was a little truth. He did say. But what if you could be like God? Oh, yeah. Satan took simple. Just stay in the garden and don't eat the tree. And Satan, excuse me, God made it simple. And Satan came in and said, but I think there might be more. So complexity has run our world since then (laughs) when it's really simple. Doing it's another thing, but the truth is simple, clear, and precise, and nothing moves from that, what God has done for you and what we're called to do that. Satan does not care if you got a new Bible cover last week. Doesn't even get too threatening if you crack a page open, too. Really doesn't. Doesn't even care if we stay up late night and watch three or four preachers preach at us and take our supplements. That's a little jab, yes. But you know when he begins to sweat is in your decision to follow Christ. And you utter this one word, availability. Because when you say, God, I am available to you, poor in spirit, as we said earlier, that's when Satan begins to sweat and say, you're going to gain ground for the kingdom. That's when he sweats. Not Not how many scriptures you memorized two weeks ago. Those are important, but that doesn't threaten the kingdom of hell. (laughs) It may in certain times, but it doesn't. But your availability to fully surrender to what his will is for you, wow, because he knows you'll gain freedom, like we sang, where nothing can hold you back. Darkness can't hold you back. Distractions can't hold you back. Nothing. You will still go through battles. Jesus said you will have them. But in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you will go through the battles. Through the battles. 
the whole church, the church in general, and we're guilty of this too for the last 40, 50 years. Imagine if we were effective, like God wanted us to be effective, to affect our communities and our culture for him. We've been too distracted with other things and not surrendered and available. So there's four main areas that I talked in, that we brought up in the series last week, and I believe we're going to hit one today. So bear with me, but I don't think you're bearing, right? Hopefully we're getting things here, moving along. Somebody said, Pastor Chris, some of your tones of your message are not encouraging. I said, well, that is what I want to hear, actually. Because I only want you to be encouraged when you've been challenged and you look back a year from now and say, look how far I've come. That's the encouragement I want you to have. So it may not be instant gratification, but we need to be challenged. I need to be challenged. I am not going to preach where I don't need, I can't or will not go, right? Strike me down. So I'm growing in this too. But four main areas. One, which we're going to hit today. And we sang about this too, is identity. I think that's the first place Satan wants to leverage and distract you of not knowing who you are. Second, people. Amen, glory, hallelujah. People are not the problem, your perspective is, right? Three, situations that may manufacture pressures in your life that are distractions. And four, religion. Religion has been so institutionalized that it's a distraction to those who can't come to the cross. And we forget it's more relational than anything else. All right, let's see if we can do do, do, it. But identity, we're going to hit on this today and see how quick we can get through this. Our anchor scripture for the whole series, can we put this up as 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Christopher Alam showcased this as well last week too. But this has everything to do with distractions. It really does. You see, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth saying, listen, you're getting so distracted with false prophets, false teaching. Everybody's divided, blah, blah, blah. That sounds familiar. You know, everything's going on. Let's get to a few basic things. Imagine, everybody, imagine when they opened the letter up, all these, the leaders of the church, and they opened it up and they said, okay, I'm going to read it out loud. Ready? Here comes Revelation. We are human. Really? But we don't wage war as humans do. Keep going. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds that we have in our lives of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Can we do the uh, King James Version too? I'm sorry, I thought I gave you that one. This is good. Maybe I'll, okay, so it talks about, do we have King James? Awesome. For though we do not walk in the flesh, same set of verses here, we do not war according to the flesh. So let me just back up. We do not walk in the flesh. We have flesh, 
But we're not defined by our flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. Did you see that idiot last week on TV? He didn't even know what he's talking about. Simple, but I was at war with that person I'm talking about when I named him and judged him an idiot. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of those strongholds. Keep going. Here's really where I wanted to get to in this articulation. Casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Please keep that up. I've heard this said once, that there are initial distractions that will come in your life that you can cast down. Saying, Jesus' name, that, that's not who I am. That has nothing to do with me. Cast it down. But there are some, like when you're in a battlefield and you capture an enemy soldier. Most practices of war would not kill them right there, right? They'd want to bring them in so they can interrogate them, so they can appraise them. In this, there are things that you have strongholds in, whether it be addictions, anxiety, all that jazz, where you're going to need to take more time and take those thoughts into captivity and begin to speak the word over it more and more and more. Amen? Amen. So if I'm dealing with alcoholism and it poses a great thing where I could have a drink in front of me and that is going to be a distraction to me, I'm not just going to cast that down because I have history with that. Yes, I've been forgiven. But I'm going to capture that and say, in the name of Jesus, my only living water is the name of Jesus and his Father, Abba, Father. I rebuke anything that I need to lean into, a drink to be dependent upon. So some of you, you have addictions and you're casting down these thoughts, but they're still coming back. (laughs) Like a, a foreign enemy, does this make sense? A foreign enemy soldier, you need to bring it in and really spend some time praying over that and the word over that. And surrender to it because it says the devil will only flee when you surrender things to God. Not how loud you yell. Does that make sense? So this is our anchor scripture for today. Excuse me, for the series. So let's jump into identity. I'm not really wading in the waters of our culture and the identity crisis that's going on. We're hitting that in October. I've got a message called Plain, Plain, Plain God. So that's that, but I want to talk about you as a Christ follower or a Christian, and you haven't really said I'm going to follow you completely and surrender and I'm available. Either way, the enemy wants to make sure you don't know who you are in Christ, right? We said that earlier, okay? I heard some Christians say, I'm just a sinner struggling with sin. I need grace. No, you're a child of God. That's struggling with sin. It seems simple, but these are, these are strongholds people build in their lives and are defined by them, and you begin to defend them. No, I am a sinner. No, no, you're not. You're cheaping your grace out from what was done on the cross. So we need to be our perspective of where we are. You are a child of God. And it's really, culture says who you are. Got to find yourself. So I am waiting a little bit in the pool here. 
Culture says you've got to find yourself. That's not my question of who I am. It's whose I am. You see, when I release ownership of my own life <laughs> to a loving God that paid everything on the cross, I'm not my own anymore. Simple gospel, sometimes hard to swallow, but it's simple in truth. So if I'm not my own, Satan, you can't define me. You can't steal my identity. Go talk to God. I mean, I'm owned by him, right? I'm owned by him. Let's go to Colossians 3.12 to continue this thought of identity. Since God chose you to be the holy people, how many know holy is not boring, right? People need to know that. He loves, which we're going to talk about in a minute, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Wait a minute, how's that going to benefit me? Uh Uh-oh, where's he going? I'm going to go to a few of you right now. And when I say what I'm about to say, don't respond. Seriously, don't respond. This isn't going to be revelational, but for some of you, this is where you need to start. Joanne, you are loved by a mighty Abba Father God. He loves you so much. You are loved by an almighty God who loves you so much. Sir, you are loved by a mighty God who loves you so much. Richard, you are loved by a mighty God and he loves you so much. Everyone in this room is loved by Loved by God. But how many of us take it from here and get it in here? Because I can talk about all the distractions that are coming, especially with identity right now. But if, ooh, if you have not received the love of God in your life beyond a bumper sticker, Satan will attack that at all costs. See, when I know that I am loved and owned by him, because it's not some self-love, he takes care of everything. So I can have that freedom we sang about. But if we do not receive his love, how the heck are you going to give that same type of love to the people around you? We're called to do that. So meditate in that daily. It's a discovery because your identity comes out of his love for you. It really does. Otherwise, everything's mechanical nuts and bolts. Truth, but you need to rest in that because you can't be moved from that. Colossians 3, now let's go to Ephesians 2.10. We have to be loved because for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do 
the things he planned for us long ago. Masterpiece. No defects. Satan will distract you with your defects. God created you because of his love for you. But Satan wants to distract those things. John 15, 4. We know this verse pretty darn well, but do we know this has to do with identity as well? Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remain in me. King James is abide. Abide means a constant acceptance and confidence that I abide in Christ. And he abides in you. Together it forms the identity. And he goes on for a, in his illustration, for a branch cannot produce fruit of its own and severed from the vine. And you cannot produce fruit unless you remain in me. So if we remain in Christ, our identity will be formed in Christ. James, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. But this is identity as well than anything else. And you are love. Why, do you think God, Jesus doesn't want to abide in you? Well, no, he does. He created you. <laughs> a oneness, a relationship. Because... For me, there's a few areas of identity. I'm moving along quickly here. For me, I tend to be the example sometimes, right, when I'm standing up here. It's all good. Two things that Satan leveraged with me was weakness that would help me define who I am and pride. Totally two sides of the field, right? Weakness that God hasn't you, has not equipped you to do what you're called to do. Weaknesses that maybe I'm too, too focused on what I look like. You see, the thing, though, with that is, and Paul is so very clear, if you begin to accept those distractions that you're weak in something, (laughs) that's what the cross was for. (laughs) So you're taking something in the darkness that you're harboring through strongholds and saying, wait a minute, we can actually be transparent in church. We can actually be real. And I'm going to bring that out into the light where God can heal and mend that. Paul talks about this, uh, 2 Corinthians 12.10. He was so clear. 2 Corinthians 12.10. No? Can I read it? I thought I had a second. Well, I'll read it. It's okay. Paul says, that's why I take pleasure in how strong I am. No, in my weakness in the insults, in the hardship, in the persecution, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ, when I am weak, then I am strong. So he is transparent where he is in a weakness. And I would encourage you, 
in those weaknesses, whatever they are, bring them to the foot of the cross. Bring them to the foot of the cross. Pray about it. Say, you know, enemy, you're trying to distract me in this weakness. You're calling me to be a accountant. I don't even know what two plus two is. But in my weakness, you bring strength into me. Strengthen to me. Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isaiah 40, 20. We'll just, I'm just going to read them. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So Satan, I've showed you all my cards. You're right. I am weak in these areas that you are trying to distract me in. But God and the work that was on the done on the Christ and the redemptiveness in him and that I'm whose I am and not who I am. And that will begin to push off any strongholds, deconstruct any strongholds are there. Quickly, pride. Pride is another one. I didn't deal with this too much, but when I had my new position here in January, can I be frank, right? I mean, I usually do, so I hope. You know. Careful when you have good victories and great successes in your life because the next day it will define if you have pride in your life. So be careful. Be careful. In ministry, very more importantly, I did very well in business and things like that, but in ministry, I had to realize that I can't live by the praises of people. It's okay, please. Hey, Pastor Chris, good message. But it's my problem, not your problem. I can't define that and say, ooh, look how great I sounded today. Another thing I learned right away is if I had left a blank page on my resume to be a lead pastor of a church, I immediately just disqualified myself. You'll get that more if you keep thinking about that. Because in ministry, humility is so important in any leadership. Many of our leaders fall because they forgot who put them there. And you have to, you have to in anything, and you lead in life too. You are not all that and a bag of donuts and chips and whatever else that old phrase is. You really are not. And then some. We needed a cross to save us, for goodness sakes. So pride is so important. I'm not, this will be more in another message. But any movement that titles itself pride, just be careful. If my life is living by Look what I've done. Pride is somewhere in there. And it's contagious, so you need to be careful if you're hanging around other prideful people. Not that as pastors and ministers we're not anointed. I am not minimizing that, but it's all God. It has nothing to do with how great we are. We may have some skill sets that are very good that we've honed in. We may have some talents that are really good. But Pastor John, Pastor Chris, Pastor Ray, Pastor Mike, if we have to leave tomorrow, 
this church will still run because it's not ours. It's His. It's His. But you've got to make sure you don't have pride in your life. 1 John 2.16, For the world offers only cravings for physical pleasure and cravings for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father and they are only from this world. Only from this world. But you can see where weaknesses, if I have some weaknesses, and this is for everybody, stop looking at me. Weaknesses and pride... In my life, they can begin to define my identity. In pride, some of your identities is what you do and not who's you am, that who's you are. So I, we have to be careful in ministry too, that I am, my identity is not in what I do. It's whose I am. And even in your other workspace, marketplace, accountants from anything else, that's what you do. But we can get identities in there and pride can build in. How do we begin to break down strongholds that are there in these areas? Well, with weaknesses, we did talk about it. Bring it to the cross. I am weak in this area. I am yours, Lord. Heal, mend. We talked about the light shining through wounds. Don't hide your wounds and scars. Strengthen me, O God, through your Holy Spirit to do what you've called me to do. Let me live in that book of Ephesians and that scripture where I can do all things that Christ strengthens me. Begin to hang around people. Well, there's this, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt said this once. She said, oh, I, uh, she said, it may be offensive. All right, it's, can, I, can, I, can that be real? That was real. Small brains talk about people. Medium-sized brains talk about events. And people with bigger brains talk about solutions. So you need to, I may not quote it just right, but it's the same thing. So you need, what are you talking about? Who are you around? Are you around talking about how bad it is and my weakness is so bad, blah, 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 and people and all this and that and events Or are you actually wanting a solution? And as we learned earlier, it's only found in Christ. But that weakness, bring that to the foot of the cross. Test what God's doing in you as it relates to your weakness. I'm an introvert. Test. (laughs) And you as well have different weaknesses maybe or different dispositions. Test it. And God will follow up through it and carry you. Pride. You need to be on your knees more than you are on your feet sometimes. You need to to ask God for humility to grow in you. Grow in you. And those strongholds will be starting to come down. Right? Right? Well, we'll get into people, situations, and religion next week, I believe. But I hope you got something out of today. We're going to, I want to take, thank you though, I want to take next week and do communion.
because I believe some of these strongholds that we're unearthing will come down when we take some communion and consecration and focusing on the cross and what it was doing, what is done in our life. So be prepared online. Communion next week. We're going to pick up uh, the third part of this series of distractions. But between now and then, ask God to unearth distractions in your life. Where am I going left when I should be going right? All right? Let the Holy Spirit, I know we heard earlier it's a whisper, but let that whisper be louder than these other thoughts that are distractions in my life. And remember, as all these distractions coming in, is it to help simplify your walk with Christ or is it to help complicate things? If it's complicating, it's a distraction that wants to build, that's building materials for your strongholds. Amen? What's stand?